Welcome to 2 Corinthians, a book of the Bible we begin today, and God willing, we will finish in May 2024, which is just the next year. I know, shocker. Uh, or if Jesus comes back, then we won't finish, but that would be better. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Paul, who has already written one letter to 1 Corinthians. And by the way, people are asking, like, why in the world are you starting in 2 Corinthians? It's a little bit weird place to start. Since you've never told us anything about 1 Corinthians. So this is just between you and me. So you might think that I just do all this for your guys' benefit, but, but a lot of it is kind of for my benefit. And I've already preached through 1 Corinthians. I did so like five years ago. It was great. It was just at a different church. It was probably like six years ago now. And so, uh, yeah, so sorry about that, but uh, we got lots of Bible to get through. And, and I want to learn 2 Corinthians, and this is new and fun, so I'm going to do this. But 1 Corinthians is a little important to know because this is the next letter that he's written, and at least that we have. And 1 Corinthians, just in short, the Corinthians were a mess. Sexual immorality, divisions, you know, fighting about spiritual gifts. And then, like the love chapter everybody reads, are sort of out of context. And these people in Corinth who had these divisions, and they, they were arguing, like, I'm of Paul, I'm, a, I'm an of Apollo, I'm of Peter, I'm of, I'm of Christ. Those are the really spiritual ones. Now, some of these factions have gotten worse. In that some of these factions have started to personally attack Paul. So he's not... He's not a real, not a real apostle. I mean, a real apostle would be teaching you a little more about the Jewish law. A real apostle would be doing all of, all of these special things. And we're going to find out about all that stuff. But first, we have to see the heart that Paul is writing this in. Because I know there are, there are things that you've written and you just, you just write them. It's a nice day. But there are things that you've written on the darkest days of your life. You go back to your journal. You open up something from those pages when, when uh, you can't even remember because it was black. And that is maybe a little more where Paul's coming from here. Because if you skip down just past our reading, he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, that would be like Asia Minor, like modern-day Turkey. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And I like to talk more about this verse, but that's next week. But Paul is writing from a deep darkness here. A heavy heart where he is in one of the worst despairs of his life. Now, as he writes, he says, Paul, an apostle 
of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And this is something that Paul asserts many times, that Paul is uniquely commissioned, not just, just some guy like all of the other teachers. By the way, there's people saying that he's not an apostle, a real apostle. So when he writes this, it's important. He is an apostle by the will of God, called on the road to Damascus by Jesus himself, set apart as God's chosen instrument to the Gentiles. Now he writes this to the church of God at Corinth. With all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. And we're going to do a little geography here because geography is a little important for some things. But in Corinth, where he's writing to, it's important. So this, is, it's, this isn't the best map, but it shows one thing well but not another. But if you would see, there is this... This goes all the way up into like Europe and everything. Like this is just land up here. And then there's a big peninsula here going down into the Mediterranean Sea. And then, so Turkey and modern day, uh, it's Macedonia is over here. And Rome is over here. And now the boats, because everything was shipped back, a lot of things were shipped back then, could go down this way through dangerous like territory there would be like here be dragons on their map and lots of people get shipwrecked out on the map on the on the mediterranean sea or they could do this awesome thing that people figured out and it was amazing there is a seven mile spot between these two coasts and in this seven mile spot they leveled it out and made the tracks so that ships could go up to here Go on to this like little like train car like thing. This was like over 2,000 years ago. Put the ship on the train car, take it the seven miles across, and then deposit it over here so that they could go on to Italy or Rome or wherever they were heading. That's really cool. Now, the reason why Corinth, this city, maybe of 100,000 people, is here is because this is all this trade. Now, as you could imagine, this is not just a port city, it's like a double port city because it ports to two, to two uh, different lands. And it had all of these sailors who would like go there for like a couple days while their ship got transferred over. Now, if you could imagine in a place where you just have constantly sailors just hanging out, now you know why, like Paul's always writing about all the sexual immorality, like there's like... Just prostitution is one of their like leading economic things other than the, you know, the main thing of the whole ship transferring thing. This is who Paul writes to. And it's so amazing, like one of the most important churches in the early church was a church full of problems in a problem city, full of problem people. And this is where... God shows to make the gospel flourish. Now he writes, not just by himself, but with Timothy, our brother. And Paul often writes with uh, co-authors. And if you read it, like, like this is really like, this is Paul almost all the way. Uh, Timothy is going to perhaps bring the letter to Corinth. And Timothy was working in Corinth a lot and probably faced the brunt of much of the criticism 
Finally, he says, grace and peace to you. From the God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, this is verse 2, which I don't have up on the screen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Which, when he says that, which is really cool, that grace and peace does not just flow from God the Father, but also the Lord Jesus Christ, both being fully divine. All right, intro to the book of Corinth, and now we're going to get into the text. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would lead us through this Bible book of the Bible, that you would teach us what you have for us in it, that as Paul wrote to the Corinth, the church at Corinth, that he also writes wisdom to us to learn and grow and more fully understand who you are and your purposes for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there's one word that's going to show up again and again here. It's right here. God of all comfort. Comfort. You know, as you read it, it would be like, wow, that happened a lot in here. And this word is important because how do you cope with the darkest days of your life? How can you keep going when you, like, like Paul felt here, face the sentence that seemed from death? What will happen when the most beloved thing in your life is taken away? You know, I, I was thinking a lot about, about this. As I prepared this sermon this week, I got to go up to, on Thursday to the uh, George Gordon First Nation for a funeral. Now, it was for a relative of Bernie, and, and it was an elderly man, but as I listened to the speakers, it was pretty incredible that two of the speakers who got up to share, they first said, you know, it's been a really hard time to share here. As, as you, many of you know, I just lost my, my son to an overdose. And then... I went to the graveyard, and, and I don't know, I often walk up, like the graveyard up here, I often walk up there and I see all the people from, you know, all of the elderly people in the graveyard, but I walk through this graveyard, just 40 minutes north of here, and cross after cross, and I looked at the birth dates, 1995, 1984, 1981, 1989. All people younger than me. I know I'm getting pretty old. <laughs> but I'm not like, like, like dying old. It's, it's shocking to walk past five graves in a row of people shorter than of uh, people who died younger than you when you're 42. I think what's happening like right now, you just go into like the First Nations communities is apocalyptic. I don't think that's too strong a word. You know, politicians really love apologizing for people's mistakes 50 years ago, but nobody wants to say a hoop about things that are happening right now that they might have something to do with or change. 
It's funny, it's even hard. I, 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 I was sitting in my office, I was like, I wonder if there's like good numbers on this. It's funny, it's hard to find more recent numbers. The most recent thing I could find was in Alberta. There's nothing nationally for the last five years. But from 2015 to 2021 in Alberta, the life expectancy of a First Nations male dropped seven years. So, so let me get that straight. In six years, it dropped seven years. Like that's not a sustainable rate for people to be existing in for very long. And I kind of wonder being around and knowing like, like my friend Raymond Jordan, who's buried three grandkids in the last year and a half and a son. I kind of wonder if the numbers are worse today than they were then. And you kind of get to wonder, like, you know, why aren't the numbers available? And who's, you know, who's maybe keeping these things out of the news? Um, sorry for the rant, but I just walked through a graveyard of people younger than me today, this week. And, and it, was, it was like the kind of thing you don't forget quickly. Especially as you turn to your Bible and, and you're talking about the God of all comfort. How in the world, how in the world do, do I minister comfort there? How in the world do you face unspeakable tragedy? Looking to the dead. We're looking to the God who raises the dead. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Okay, we want to note the Trinity here because it's important. Because we have, first we have God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to get to the Son and the Spirit later. And, and, and the Father here is pictured, you know, sometimes you think like Jesus, he's the nice one, he's the relatable one. And it's like the God, the, the Father is like kind of the, the stern one. The Bible won't let us do that. It's God and Father, the God of mercy and comfort. And mercy here, like mercy, we think of mercy maybe like, you know, someone who shows mercy like... I show mercy on them. But, but that's, not, that's not like the idea. The idea is like a, a feeling compassion towards people in trouble. So, so Paul starts here, blessed be the God Father, who shows compassion to, to people in trouble. Says the God of all comfort, and we, are, we sang, the comforter has come. And the word here, paraklos, is very similar to paraclete, which is for Holy Spirit, both meaning to come alongside or to comfort. Blessed be the God and Father, because he has compassion and comfort in every situation for those who suffer. And that's, that's like, that is his character. It's who he is. It drives his action, not just in some abstract way, but in your life, 
If God is your father, he is the God of your comfort to you in deepest needs. And, like, you don't have to read. Like, you can read about the wrath of God. But there are just, like, mind-blowing things about how compassionate God is. God the Father is. This is the one that always, like, Psalm 56, verse 8. In the middle of this, like, complaint... The psalmist writes, you've kept count of my tossing, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And maybe this is just poetic license. But but I like to imagine like, like God has actually, for each one of his children, he has known every one of their sufferings so intimately that every tear that you have ever cried in your life sits on a shelf in heaven for God to consider so great is his compassion that he is the God of mercy and comfort for his children. No tear falls in vain. And he isn't just that abstractly because he, that's the who, the God, who comforts us in all our affliction. Now affliction here is just like general for suffering, any kind of suffering you might face. Whether that be relational suffering, whether that be suffering in your body, thorn in the flesh, that Paul, Paul's going to write about later, whether that be suffering just as anxieties that you have, seeing the troubles in this world exploding from the screen again and again. God comforts. Now today, we're going to learn three things, I pray. The first is how God comforts us. The second is why God gives us this comfort in afflictions. And finally, we're going to see the very long list of steps that we need to take to receive God's comfort. It's kind of a joke. It's actually not a long list. So, already, kind of question and answer, like a catechism, but uh, what is our comfort in all afflictions? And our comfort simply is, is this. It is the triune God who is for us. Our Father of all compassion and comfort. Christ Jesus, who suffered just like us and is there for us. The Holy Spirit, which is the comforter in us day by day, for all those who trust and believe in his name. Now, if we look to the kind of comfort, like, like the comfort is in simply knowing God in his fullness. It's simply knowing God in his fullness. Like knowing who God the Father is, the God who keeps, like... Tears in a bottle, the God who cares so much in every one of our trials, in our darkest nights. Jesus Christ, 
who walked this earth, who felt every pain that one could feel. You think of the pain of the cross, I always think of the pain of having your friends deny you. Think about affliction, not just as like this big like thing, but about you know, friends' denial, friends' betrayal. That is the God who cares. And the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter to apply that day by day. To feel it not just as something out there, but in here giving grace. And that is, this, this comfort of God is for every one of God's children. For all those who call on the name of the Lord who will be saved. And not just saved, but saved, but saved by the God of all comfort to face every trial. Now, Paul says, God is this for us for a specific reason. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And you might think that's a complex sentence, like why does he put all of this? You could just have, so that we're able to comfort those in any affliction. But he says all of this here for an important reason, because we don't just comfort it so we can go there, there. And that's, that's tough. No, we are comforted by the God of comfort so that on that day when everything falls apart for a friend, someone we care about, we don't just give them our, what we have, we can point them to what we have received from God so they can get that same comfort to go through any trial. Now, It doesn't say here in any one of these cases. And so often, like when someone's going through a hard time, like my instinct is to be like, well, you know, let's look on the good side of this. Or, hey, not everything is all bad. Or maybe I can give some understanding to this. Like this says nothing about understanding the deepest purposes of God. All it says is the God who is all comforting is available for anyone to receive that comfort and you can share that God with others. So, so this is practical. Like if you're in a situation where you're with someone, you're with someone who is suffering, like, like you can do, this is like pastoral thing. Okay, I'm going to say like oftentimes people are suffering. I have no idea what to do. Like nothing. Not very smart. I'm not very good at these things. And all I do is try to point them in any way to God in a way that's not like trite. It'd be like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should just like look at Psalm 23. It's like, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And it's just like, point to God in the same way we need to point our hearts to God. We don't know what's going on. And by the way, you may never know what's going on. Now, maybe in heaven, like we're going to learn more, but I suspect we're going to care about learning more or less. But in that moment, we will know God fully 
And even though, like, every poet that we look to God, he is our comfort. Like, that is the comfort. God himself, because he is the God of all comfort. So how does God comfort? By giving us himself, because he is the God of comfort. And why does God comfort? So we can share that God, the God of comfort, with others. Paul goes on and says, for as we share abundantly, and abundantly there, it's like, as, as, as we share, like, it's just like overflowing. When nobody wants the overflowing of this, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. So at first he starts with the Father, and now we're going to move to the Son. As a son, as it says, Christ's sufferings. And this is the amazing thing about Christian, the Christian life. The Christian life is we're followers of Jesus Christ. And we like to think followers of Jesus Christ. Just like, yeah, you know, buddy, Christ, he's with me. And I'm just going to go about on the American dream, you know, with Christ over here in the, in the back seat somewhere. But no, we follow Christ, like literally in how Christ lived his life is the manner by which we are called to live. And what did Christ do? He suffered. He died. And then, like, glorified, sitteth at the right hand of the Father in glory forever. Like, that's really good, but we don't want to forget the first part. Suffering, death, glory. Paul loves to remind us so many times of, like, this little bit when he's looking at glory like hey hey remember what we're doing here and if children and heirs heirs of god fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer again with him in order that we may also be glorified with him now this is the hope of the gospel this is how you believe it's not just you're believing in something out there but by God's power, the Holy Spirit, when we believe we are united to Christ in such a real way that Paul says that when we suffer, when we suffer, we suffer with Christ. We suffer with Christ in the fact that he walked this road before us, and we suffer that when we are there, he is still with us in a real way, feeling the way that we Feel. Now, like our sufferings don't have atoning power because we're not perfect. But our sufferings are joining us in the same road that Christ walked. Now, it's funny. It says, as abundantly, as abundantly as we share in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And that's in a multitude of ways. A multitude of ways but the cool thing is like Jesus Christ what did he do in the face of like the worst suffering imaginable he endured how did he endure he endured with his relationship with the father his comfort that he lived in and Paul says in the same way that Christ walked through the deepest suffering, when you walk through suffering, there's probably not going to be quite as deep, but pretty deep. 
You in the same way can have that same comfort from what? The God of all comfort and mercy, the Father, so we can walk in the same path that Jesus walked. Jesus, the one who always trusted God. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That is, trusting God the Father, the God of all comfort. And this always, uh, I think about this verse too, that there's a, a certain measurement to it. Like, as abundantly... As we share in Christ's sufferings, we share abundantly in comfort too. And there's something about like, when I, I read like a missionary biography, like this fellow by the name of John G. Patton. He was a missionary, was called to the South Pacific, to this island of cannibals. He went there and in the first six months, his wife, and child died of malaria. He buried them on the island. Every day he would walk up to the village of people who joked that maybe they would, perhaps they would eat him tomorrow, past the graves of his wife and his child, and he did so for 16 years. And I think to myself, like, how? How? How does someone endure that kind of thing? But here's, here's the blessing. Like, like, I can't imagine, like, how much comfort of God that would take. But this verse tells me that whatever comfort that it takes to face any trial, God will give you on that day. Is not more? Like, God doesn't, like, overwhelm us with comfort? I know what I do if I get too comfortable. Usually bad things. But God gives us enough comfort for the day when we meet it to continue enduring in him, even as far as some of these amazing saints of old. What is our comfort in all affliction? We look up to the triune God, our father of all compassion and comfort, Christ Jesus, who suffered like us, the Holy Spirit, the comforter in us. You know, the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism, people who were raised in places that did those, is what is my only comfort in life and in death? Yeah. Exactly. That we are not our own, but belong to God. But belong to God. But even more than that, we are not our own, but we belong to that kind of God, the God of comfort and compassion that may have us walk through trials, but will always meet us with exactly as much comfort as we need to face them. All right, we got to get practical here. So how do we do this practically? Paul goes on and says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Very interesting here, he, he immediately draws the line like, hey, when we share in this and have this in Christ, like we're going to be able to share this in greater measure. 
And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. When you patiently endure the same comfort. So how do they receive the comfort? How do they receive the comfort? It is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure. That's how you do it. Okay? So often in sermons, we want to have like, what do you do? What do you do? Okay, this is what you do. You endure. That's it. That's it. And you know why you endure? There's no like, like five steps to like how to do this. You endure because the action is not in you. The action is in the God of all comfort who will come to you as you simply endure. It is just simply trusting that God is going to meet you with the strength for a tomorrow that you can't imagine facing. Simply, tr simply trusting. Just one more step, like a, if you ever ran a really long race, it's like run, run like, I've only ever run a half marathon, which is like doing half a college education. It's not really an accomplishment. But even so, I got to about mile nine and uh, man, you're running with all these people and you're just like, man, I'm gonna run really fast. I don't care about what I've trained and how I'm pacing. And I got to mile nine and I was, well, I was going to get passed by about 500 people in the next while. And like every next step, it's like, I can't go on. But you know what? I didn't have to do three miles there. All I had to do was like take my eyes, and this is what I do when I run. I don't look out there. I look down. It's like I can run to that spot. And the same way, this is what patient endurance in your life is like. I don't know how God's going to get me to next year, but it's like God is going to get me to five minutes from now. I'm going to lower my gaze, stop planning, and just simply trusting, patiently enduring. Not looking at my problems, but simply, but simply looking to the triune God. Our Father of all compassion and comfort. Christ Jesus, who literally walked the suffering path, enduring because he trusted in God the Father. Having the Holy Spirit in us. Knowing it's not separate in us to meet us in every way that we need to be met to endure. Finally, Paul simply closes with this. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And this is the thing, the unshakingness. If you're being with someone who's walking in trial, not to be shaken because I don't have, I don't have comfort. Like, I don't have, I don't have, I am not the mat of comfort. I'm not the mat of comfort, but there is the God of all comfort and compassion, our Lord Jesus Christ, who walked the dark path, the gift of the Spirit. And if we can simply look to, turn to, and point people to this God, this God, 
we can rest hope unshaken. Hope unshaken. Let's pray.